High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Sometimes they say the hardest part is to say goodbye. Welcome, vampires, werewolves, Italians, Romanians, South Americans, and all you, I don't know, people or vampires of the world out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where we and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about this was your assignment and i would like to see the results so just want to go over your weekly homework as always and that is of course to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening whether it be google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, stitcher or spotify and while you're there leave us a five star rating or how about you write us a positive review and remember the best thing you can do for high school slumber party it's to tell a friend about all the magic and love we have here, bi-weekly, at least for now. Of course, you have other homework here in High School Slumber Party, and that was to watch Friday's episode, which was on Pretty Maids All in a Row. We want to thank Galen Howard for bringing us that weird and interesting, that Bananas movie. It was so fun to watch, so weird. Uh, Rock Hudson, just... <sighs> Check it out if you haven't. It's a pretty easy movie to see. It was, like I said, it was awesome. Very 70s. Very strange. And it also inspired me, and I mentioned on the episode, to buy some vintage Playboys, actually. My cousin Pumpkin is sitting next to me right now. He's uh, he's uh, rifling through one of them. I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through the, the bunnies of New York right now. <laughs> this is from 1971, the year that that movie was released. Honestly, like you could joke around all you want. There is so weird, like art quality about these old Playboys. I know a lot of people who like collect them and they have a fun time with them, and not the fun time you're thinking of, you sicko. I'm talking about like reading these articles and just getting into the nitty gritty of it. I'll, I'll read some and I'll ask Cousin Pumpkin if he has any opinions on some. What are your opinions so far? No, I like it. It's nice. It's artsy. I'm definitely. I might. Bu- I'm, I think I want a 1993 one now of my birthday month. <laughs> I bought my birthday month. <laughs> that hasn't come in yet from eBay. But yeah, check out that episode on Pretty Maids all in a row. It was a blast. And today, your homework is to watch a very, very, very different kind of film. It's so hard to say goodbye, but this is the last time this year we'll talk a Twilight film. Twilight: Breaking Dawn. Part two. And you know who's here today. It's none other than Kate Hudson. Ugh, we had such fun this episode. We had so much fun with non-episode stuff. Honestly, it was like another three-hour recording. 
but you'll see it's not even close to three hours. I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes because like we were just talking about other stuff during it too. We were having such a great time. One of the best parts of High School Slumber Party has been making new friends. And I consider Kate a friend now because we just have a blast hanging out together, talking vampire films, sometimes not talking vampire films. Who know? You look like you're uh, looking at these cartoons, Cousin Pumpkin. Yeah, they're funny. It's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's about the swinger party. Check out this one. It says, by the way, Harry, Frank wanted me to ask you about the money you borrowed. What? I don't. <laughs> they swapped lives. So you know oh, 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 they're swingers. Okay, yeah. I see, I see. Sorry. These, <laughs> I'm not sure if I understand the 1971 humor yet, but <laughs> yes, whatever. Twilight today. I can't wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Come on, guys. We're well into our junior year right now. Remember that. And it's the holiday season. Be joyous. We're going to have some holiday movies. This is not one of them. This is Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. Oh, my goodness. Again, I can't wait for you to hear it. By the way, Cousin Pumpkin, have you ever seen a Twilight film? Uh, No, actually. (laughs) Maybe you'll have to watch on the next lap. Or hang out here, enjoy the slumber party, because we're going to get down to it. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with the main theme to Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2, and that is, of course, Christina Perry featuring Steve Casey, A Thousand Years. Class dismissed. wine poured so i'm ready last time on valley girl that was an interesting episode to edit it ended up being two episodes it was very interesting yeah episode two it's fun but it's a little bit of a little bit of a shit show (laughs) we just don't worry we'll we'll keep it more on point that was like a three hour hang session that just devolved (laughs) is what happened it was fun it's it's funny uh the godfather himself of the Cage Club Podcast Network, Joey Lewandowski, just like he's been catching up and just listened to that episode today. And uh, that <laughs> I think he was a little offended. I think there was some shots taken at him. But what I would try to explain to him, and I will explain to him again, like what was said about him was so tame compared to all the stuff I edited out about other people because he didn't like adventures and babysitting. Oh, well, he deserved that. Stand by that. He can ban me from his podcast network. <laughs> he shit on the, no, one of the no. greatest movies of all time. No, no banning will happen. But uh, <laughs> it, and I don't think he didn't like. Uh, whatever. We we don't we don't have to rehash that. Those outtakes, though, I'm telling you, they should be burnt. Oh yeah, we were just freely talking. And you took no prisoners on some people. Oh no. 
I'm glad you cut it all out. I was pretty drunk. There was one I didn't cut out. One particular ex-boyfriend you didn't let me cut out. Oh, fuck you. him. Oh, Mark Slide Squad? <laughs> fuck him. Don't worry about that. He hears that. He knows. He knows he did me dirty. You know, we should cut that out. The subtext I'm hearing is, Kate, don't get way wasted tonight. And don't worry. No. Don't worry about that. That's okay. We we have a job to do anyway. I'm not worried because this is forever. Did you get some shit, though? It sounds like you got some shit. Just the continual shit. We all know that. We all know that, that this is a popular episode series, Twilight Forever. But it's also unpopular with some crowds because I always get that question. Why are you covering Twilight? Brian, I can tell you this right now. I can literally make any movie into a high school movie. If you ever want to cover Con Air, I can give you a whole explanation oh, of how the, the ecosystem of the plane is actually a reflection of high school um, mores and social cliques and how it's all about following your true self and finding your identity and choosing the right. Con Air forever. But of course today, I can't believe we made it here. It's such a big day. We are finishing our, I don't even know what these are called. I use the term laps, but that's just because they use that on the Fast and Furious podcast. But it makes more sense oh. because that's cars. I, I don't know, because vampires, they're immortal, so it's weird to... I don't know what these are called, is my point, but it's, it's a big deal, because I have finally seen all the Twilight films. My favorite part is not watching the movie the first time. My favorite part is letting it linger, and me, yeah. like, sitting in bed and then thinking uh-huh. about it. Like, yes! <laughs> That's where Twilight really excels. It's like you watch it, you're like, oh, this is really fucking dumb. And then you like can't stop. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. One thing, like just in terms of this overall picture, this overarching thing, I think we talked about this, but I do want to have a, it could, it could be a short episode, but where we do just like a recap slash, I was thinking maybe even like a mailbag segment because some people have questions perhaps for you <laughs> that we can just answer before before we enter the next chapter. But I'm so happy to have ended it. And not in a way like, oh, thank God. In a way more, I'm so excited to watch these movies all again now. Right? So, so to answer your yes. question, yes, I'm in. Are they perfect movies? No. no. But but that's, that's the beauty in it. I feel like Twilight on the second watch, and I've dabbled in second watches on some of them here or there. Uh, <laughs> Twilight on the second watch. Better than Twilight on the first watch, for me at least. So yeah. Uh, Happy to close the chapter because now I feel like the real fun begins. But before any of that, we have to tie a little bow uh, on this Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. I'm sad. I'm sad. (laughs) You, like, hit the nail on the head because every time I finish Breaking Dawn Part 2, I immediately want to go watch Twilight again. I don't know why. (laughs) There's something about it that it just, again, has this quality of rewatchability, and that it's great. Well, the stakes are so low, especially when the stakes are so high right now in our real lives, to live in a world where the central problem is that she wants to get laid, and, like, it takes four movies to solve that. It's like there's something, (laughs) like, it's, like, hypnotic almost. It like lulls you into its like fever dream. You know, I'm glad you you went there because I was curious what's going to happen here. Of course, the book is just Breaking Dawn. You said it was a big mm-hmm. book. It didn't split it into two things. And she's already gotten laid when when we walk into Breaking Dawn Part Two. She's married and she's already a vampire. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? I knew that the Volteri were going to be involved, but that's it. And, you know, every week I try to read the back of the DVD and such. And every back of the DVD here is short as hell. And I get why. I get why. But And this is it. The final chapter 
of the Twilight Saga phenomenon, the birth of Bella and Edward's child brings conflict between Bella and her lifelong friend Jacob, and an all-out war between the Cullens and the Volteri. And not, I mean, that's a lot all you happened, need to know. But that's all you need to know, you know? I was also surprised to learn that this movie is under two hours. And when you count, and I'm not complaining about these things, when you count that this one has an opening credits and an extremely long closing mm. credits to the entire franchise, mm. it's a pretty short runtime. Endgame for the Marvel uh, movies was like, I guess that one was three hours long and the part one of that was two hours long. So that's yeah. five hours to end those that series. For this, it was like, I don't know. I don't remember how long Breaking Dawn part one was. but like Two hours. It's like four hours for the book. I'm just going to throw a shot here to every listener out there. I think Twilight's an exponentially better series than the MCU. So, <laughs> And I think it started stronger and ended stronger. So suck it, Tony Stark. <laughs> I do not want to do MCU forever on this podcast, so I'll be, I'll be Team Twilight. But I, I asked this question last time. You defended the decision, but even after this film, which I enjoyed, but I still have to ask this question again. Why was this two separate movies, besides for the fact that they could make more than double the money on everything? Because I feel like you could have fit this into one really not really long movie but i just said there was a marvel movie that was three hours right like you could have made a a two and a half hour breaking dawn film i feel like i mean i disagree with you there because not to talk about marvel because i really think that series is super overrated but like you had a lot of characters that were sort of the lead in their own movies coming together in the avengers you really only have one character main character here who's the the pov for all these movies and it's Bella because she's special. So <laughs> it's like the book itself really is the first half is dealing with Jacob falling in love with a baby and like him getting over Bella. And then the second movie, like the second half of the book really is Volturi. So I think it'd be a huge tonal shift and it'd be a weird way to structure one two and a half hour movie if you switch the main antagonism point like changes halfway through. And it's like not like it morphs into another thing. It's two completely separate things. Jacob's being a dick. Jacob's always going to be a dick. Jacob will die a dick. And then (laughs) the Volturi are coming. The only thing in the book that they introduce the concept of the immortal child at the very, very beginning. Like, I think they tell Bella about the immortal child at her wedding when the Denali coven comes. They're like, guess why they don't have a mom? She's fucking (laughs) dead. I just think it would make for a really weird movie and we'd be laughing hysterically over the massive tonal shift after Jacob falls in love with a baby. Okay, we haven't had that with the baby thing, but I feel like there was earlier Twilight films that did that where it was just like 90% Jacob complaining and then the bad guy showed up at the end. You, You do make a really good point and I think that is truly the best argument because of tone, obviously the money too. That really does matter, and and that's totally fine. These people deserve to get paid. I'm not bitching because, so just so you know, I'm going to jump ahead. That fight scene is not in the books, and that fight scene is like 30 minutes long, and that is fucking awesome. So if they tried to stick truer to the books and make it one movie, we would have lost out on like Carla being beheaded. We would have lost out on all the like dogs dying and like all the cool deaths. And then we also would have lost out on all the random pointless exposition and meeting all these like weirdo vampires. And <laughs> that is my favorite part of this like whole series. So I mean, fair. Again, I'm not complaining because at the very least it gives us an extra episode and stuff. I just found it interesting. But let's get into it then. Let's talk about some of our so excited favorite moments, the things that happen here. But before any of that, just wanted to like note that, and, and for probably good reason, 
Not a lot of production notes on this film because it was just <laughs> shot, it was shot back to back with the last one. So what really more are they going to say? The biggest production note and the biggest complaint that I've seen on the internet Ugh. is the transformation of CGI baby <laughs> to I believe the actress is Mackenzie Foy. Like it seems like there's a lot of confusion happening like- there. Do you like how at the end when they age her up to be like a young woman, like probably in her early 20s, she's still a CGI like eight-year-old on the body of a 20-something? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, and I was going to say, I don't disagree with this criticism. It's so weird. It's weird because it's so jarring. It takes you out of every scene that they show the face of this child or whatever it ends up being, you know, a seven-year-old adult or whatever. And trust me, we'll talk all about that. But, uh, so good. <laughs> I mean, okay, so you tend to agree then that it is weird. No, I think it's perfect. I think the whole series is an imperfectly perfect, like, movie series. So, no, I think it's fucking amazing. My only complaint is that they used that CGI and they didn't use the robot monstrosity. Like, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, right? That creepy, like, baby robot that they made where the <laughs> face is collapsing on itself. It's, like, so good. <laughs> I get it. It's like the iconic thing from the film for some people. So good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like, it's just the perfect encapsulation of Twilight. Like, they try and they fail. Like, it's sincere, but it's terrible. And that's why I love this series. It's perfect. And similarly, like, they might fail, quote unquote, but they are succeeding in terms of success, right? Like, it was the sixth highest grossing film of 2012. It made $830 million, which is amazing. That's the most the Twilight film has ever made. This was the highest budget, $136 million. But that's still not that high compared to a lot of the films that are making that amount of money. Like, their profit here is sensational. Like, oh, especially when you do, like factor in all the fucking merchandise and tie-ins. Think about that. Absolutely. I think this year, 2020, was a, and we've discussed this, but I, I love mentioning it. It was a huge year for Twilight in general. We've seen this <laughs> Twilight revival. Because when we started, there wasn't a lot of Twilight chatter. No. Um, of course, it was pre-pandemic, maybe people being at home and wanting something, like you said, with low stakes and good rewatchability. Perhaps that's it. But it's amazing because it's still making money. It's insane. So I, I know I've mentioned this before, but I checked again. I, I like, when I first started this series with you, bought, like, a lot of, like, stupid, like, Twilight, like, secondary market books. <laughs> like, the Twilight Encyclopedia that Stephanie Meyer wrote. I got that for $4 on Amazon used. It, I checked today. It's $104 now. It's amazing. It's amazing. Can't believe that. It's it's just crazy, and people are actually buying that because there's that one Twilight book I don't have that I keep checking. Like I'll pay twenty dollars, no more than that, and it'll come up for sixty five dollars, and it'll be gone in a day. It's insane. That's absolutely insane. I love it. It's so cool. But uh, who would have thought? I mean, maybe you, Kate, you were the biggest proponent of it. But uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, just to recap, Bill Condon's directing again. Because it did it back to back. I was very happy to learn. I thought all the you know cards were on the table. All the pieces were on the board. And we weren't going to get any new characters. Boy, was I wrong. <gasps> oh, my God. See, this is... Okay, so you're really showing your hand that you didn't... Like, this is your first rewatch. Because I remember 
the whole advertising campaign had like fucking keep on saying fuck um lee pace had his own poster like i think rami malik and the chick from westworld had their own poster like the irish coven had their own poster wow it was a big deal dude yeah i mean look when these came out it was not in my wheelhouse i was not paying attention and not that i was like maybe i was ignoring it i don't know but yeah we get a whole bunch of new characters for whatever reason i don't know (laughs) so great dimensional which makes them even better like the irish coven are dressed straight out of like what is it like a frank mccourt novel like oh my god yeah no you're right it's exactly what i thought angel's ashes like like, where have you been guys like the the amazonians like it's 2012 in this movie and they're dressed like how a racist white producer in the 1930s would put them in a tarzan movie oh my god i had problems with that like come on like you can't (laughs) Have like oh you you're bringing someone from Latin America cool oh and they're they're from the Amazon hello one they're dressed like as as you said they're dressed like savages two yep. it's the middle of winter what do you think they're so I know look look they're, they're vampire vampires. whatever I get it but don't you think they would try a little bit more to to like not be in a loincloth in you know what I mean <laughs> but the Irish vampires are dressed for the potato famine like it's so bad. <laughs> Oh my god. But then, but then the ancient Romanian vampires, the Waldorf oh. and Statler vampires, who by the way are my favorite tertiary <laughs> characters, they're dressed like they're 18th century London fops, even though they're supposedly like ancient creatures from Romania. That may, I mean the accent was of course that old Dracula accent, and I get it, right? But they didn't it didn't match at all with what they looked like. And again, I love their introduction. They're very anti-Italian. You're a long way from home. What are they doing here? We heard the Volturi were moving against you, but that you would not stand alone. We didn't do what we were accused of. We do not care what you did, Carlisle. We have been waiting a millennium for the Italian scum to be challenged. It was not our plan to fight the Volturi. Shame. Our witnesses will be so disappointed. They enjoy a good fight. Aro's witnesses. No, still hoping they'll listen. Which again, I know that's what the Volturi are, but just that line, <laughs> so like racist. something about something about Italian, yeah, Italian scum. Like I sent that to my Italian friends. I wanted to see what they would say. It just so sounds like, like something like your racist grandma would tell you about the war. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Racist grandma is perfect. Like it's exactly how racist grandma pictures people from different parts of the world. That's what they looked like here. And, like, maybe racist grandma has no idea what people in Romania look like. She knows what they sound like because it's an old Dracula accent. But let's have them look like that. Like, the one dude's hair is like, oh, my God. It's, like, straight out of Mozart. It's straight out of Amadeus. And it's so anachronistic with who these characters are supposed to be. It's amazing. And, like, why is he albino? Why does nobody mention that? They're like, oh, cool. Like, an albino ancient Romanian vampire, that would be a point of conversation at some point, right? One would think. But but you also touched on some of the highlights here in terms of uh, Lee Pace, who's cool, but his character... Yeah, and I like Lee Pace, and I think he does a great job, but his character started annoying me. Like, whenever when I first heard about him, oh, he fought in the American Revolution, 
and you know he's fought in like all these American wars, but then he has to mention it every single time he's on screen. It's like, dude, we got it. You know what I mean? Like, name a battle. I was at all of them, even the battles that took place at the same time. Because how and why? Because he's a vampire, he can run between them. Come on. But come, but why is what would be my question? Like, oh, let me run to this battle. Let me run to that. Like. <laughs> introducing carlisle's blonde weird friend who wanted to live in the attic and then just peaced out like what was the point of that i I had so many questions about that guy too because like i thought he was gonna like so a lot of my questions are like did i miss something no because that guy i'm like oh he's probably gonna come back like with some power that's gonna really help them out in in the final battle they're gonna have and like did we see him again we must have right (laughs) No, you probably didn't catch this because it's not really explicitly explained. But one vampire's power is the ability to know other vampires' power. Did you notice that? No. Oh, my God. Which one was that? The dude from the Denali Coven, his special ability is that he knows other vampires' special abilities. And so, like, that whole ability was basically just created so Stephanie Meyer could reveal how Bella is additionally special with her shield. Yeah. We, are t- we are quickly touching all the things I had questions on, and, and we'll we'll get to them. Trust me, I don't so I don't want to forget it because I definitely have I have questions about Bella's power and that bullshit. I have questions <laughs> on some of these vampire things. I definitely want to get into the Denali Coven because I have my opinions. Oh, how they need like a fucking toner for their bleach, like in their hair. Well, why does the Denali? I mean, let's just get into it now. I guess they are new characters. Why does the Denali Coven? look like they're like real housewives from like new jersey you know i grew up in I new jersey. I'm, no, not, I'm not I, dissing it but like it didn't feel very alaskan you grew up in alaska maybe you can correct me i will tell you this their house looked very alaskan like that looks like a legit house in alaska but i like it was 2012 and this movie was filmed why did they give those girls just a terrible bleach blonde dye job without like putting low lights in and like <laughs> a conditioner to take the brassiness out of that horrible dye job i who knows who knows but by the way <laughs> They were in the fourth movie. They were at the wedding, remember? And yes, then yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who no, knows? no. I, I, I remembered that, but we got to actually we, – we went to your home state this time. We went to Alaska. Yeah, but that's like way far – With first off, no one actually lives in Denali because it's a natural – like it's a forest preserve. So like there's nothing there. So they would not have a house in Denali. So they probably live like, like outside of Denali, which, you know, Alaska splitting hairs. But yeah. What they didn't explain is the non-blondes. That's Elazar, who used to be with the Volturi, and then that's his mate, Carmen, I think. And Carmen's, I don't think, a sister of those girls. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I also found it weird that they drove there. That's probably a pretty far drive. Yeah, you have to cut through um you have to cut through Canada. I think you even have to take a ferry. Remember that whole thing, the bridge to nowhere in the late nineties? Oh yeah. Big, yeah, there's no real like highway into Alaska from Canada that's not treacherous in a fucking Volvo. Like he would have needed a <laughs> like he should have gotten uh Emmett's Jeep for that. Like that is a four wheel drive drive. No, they needed they needed to show that Volvo. They got that Volvo sponsorship. They had to do it and the, the Volvo is from the books. Really? They and- make such yeah, they make such a big deal about his Volvo in the first movie. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Emmett has what? a Jeep, Rosalie has like a Beamer or a Mercedes, and Edward has a Volvo. Well, thank you, Summit, for like being like, why was Stephanie Meyer so specific about this car? All right, we gotta go to Sweden and, and ink this deal because then 
it's not going to make sense. Because I know they had a deal with Volvo because they were, uh, you know, there was like... <laughs> when is Volvo ever a car driven by a sexy guy? Like, <laughs> no, no offense to the Volvo drivers out there, but like, they probably jumped at that chance. Hey, they're very safe cars, okay? But you know, like, in Alaska, no one drives them because I don't think they're four-wheel drive. Like, in Alaska, everyone has a Subaru or a truck. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, it's a lot of in- – you're going to cut this part out. It's like, I'm just going to spend 30 minutes talking about Alaska cars. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, they think the Valley Girl episode two is a mess. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> who else did we quickly mention who – debuts we already talked about lee pace oh, rami malik he's what uh, makes twilight an academy award-winning cast when i saw him i was like i didn't know he was in this movie that's crazy of course he won uh last year or two years ago i don't even remember when for it was 2019 but because that's what kicked off my whole writing about twilight at pajiba is that posted gangbusters oh yeah oh, duh you know i totally forgot about that I think I willfully deleted it because I didn't know where he fit in. But I remember that post. <laughs> that was like my first like, fuck it, Twilight, man. That's what reignited. <laughs> well, I would still, I've watched Twilight for years now. But that's what I was like. I'm just going to tell the world. I'm a, I'm a closet Twilight. <laughs> so uh, tell me more about him, his character, his family and whatever. And, uh, you know, how he factors in here. Because I thought he was a pretty cool character. Um, so in the books, he's just some rando that his coven leader, who's there for like a hot minute and is like totally lame and doesn't want to fight, just discovers and wants to hide. And then Rami Malek's like, nah, brah, I'm going to go fight. I want to meet more like me. You've hidden me away. So that's basically his backstory. Gotcha, gotcha. And I don't think he's a vegetarian. I don't think that coven was vegetarians, but I could be wrong. Oh, interesting, interesting. I think it is a little bit weird. I love it because it, I knew it was going to spark good conversation. I think it was a little bit weird that they suddenly have an all-star team of like all these vampires that we've never even heard about or, or spoken to. And suddenly like Carlisle's like, I'm going to get the boys together, essentially. And That's why Carlisle's such an interesting character, dude. I mean, it is fascinating. That's just like we've spent so much time like following around like half like brain-dead idiots, Bella and Edward, that you forget that the people that they're surrounded by – actually have very rich interesting backstories like rosalie is still my favorite of the entire movie like I, this rewatch has solidified that i love that badass bitch <laughs> but like carlisle's a close second carlisle is fascinating because think about it to all these other vampires he's an oddity he's the weirdo other than the denali coven everyone else eats people i actually i'm in agreement with you I found Carlisle to be, like, such an interesting character. Maybe, maybe, you know, arguably, I really have to think about it, and maybe we'll talk about this more on our Twilight wrap-up show. But uh, I, I got to think about who my favorite character is. But he, he's up there. He's in consideration. He is very, very fascinating, as you say. And just to talk about, like, Twilight, the revival that has happened in 2020, I remember mm-hmm. looking at Cameo and, like, Peter Fascinelli's Cameo Earlier in the year, I swore it was affordable. And there was a point where I was like, oh, maybe I'll have him do like an intro to one of the episodes or something. That would be cool. But now it's $200. And it was never $200 before. <gasps> okay, so I don't know when the last time we recorded our Twilight. I don't know if it was pre or post my birthday. But my friends got together and got me a cameo from Victoria Number 1, Rochelle Lefebvre. Oh, that's awesome. Tell us more. How was it? It was super chaotic. She was under the impression that my friend... Emily Chambers, who I call Bone. You should follow on Twitter. I think she's at Dumbly Chambers. That's a plug for, for Emily. I wrote with her at Pajiba. I call her Bone 
So Bone got me a cameo, and Rochelle Lefevre was under the impression that Bone was my boyfriend. So she kept talking oh about what a good so she kept talking about what a good boyfriend Bone is. And for whatever reason, she also thought I hated Twilight. So she's like, we're not going to talk about Twilight. It was like the most chaotic. And she's like, I'm sorry, I can't make this rhyme. And like, I don't know if like rhyming is her thing in a cameo. What? So like it, that was out of nowhere. In terms of Twilight, there's not a lot of selection on cameo. There's her, Rachel Lefevre. So maybe I'll use her for an intro one day since you're giving it 10 out of 10. <laughs> Um, there's Jackson Rathbone, who's, uh, what's his name? Jasper. He's 100 bucks. So Peter Vesinelli is $209. I don't know why he, he does why that. But I, I want him, you know, he's also in Can't Hardly Wait, so that's two things. Oh, he, was also in the, he was also in this Lifetime movie I saw in 1995. You should cover it one day. He kills himself, and I was really affected by that. And I went talked to my mom about suicide afterwards because he's like a high school jock who kills himself. My mom got really worried until I was like, no, mom, I just watched this movie. It's not something i'm considering i was just really bummed out by it she's like cool please don't ever talk to me about that stuff again so i was like noted you told a a little bit longer version of the story while you were drunk so now did you I? Me. yes you did <laughs> Dude, we, we must have on... talked about peter fetch i feel so bad for you having to edit that episode i could oh no it's it. fun <laughs> it was... i just hope Look. you left a lot of it on the cutting room floor so let's talk about vampire sex <laughs> Wait, wait, we were on cameo. That's why Jackson Rathbone. Okay. I think you should just keep my non sequitur of let's talk about vampire sex. <laughs> sure, but, but, but before that, uh, just there's two other people on cameo that I really want to quickly ask you about. So okay. these are the cheapest Twilight people on cameo. <gasps> oh my god, how much? I'm gonna go buy that. Sixty five dollars for Ashley Green. Do you know who that oh, is? Motherfucker, that's Alice. That's Alice. Oh, she looks that's so different in this. Alice. Photo. Oh, oh my only- god, I want to get Alice. 65 bucks is nothing. Oh, you know what? I might I might uh, you know, this is this is the month where you got to buy people gifts. I might gift myself and have Alice like intro the podcast because that's pretty cool. Do it. Do it. Do it. And like like I know this is super narcissistic of me, but can you please have her introduce us? Sure, sure. You gifted me Charlie Talbert once I owe you. <laughs> and then the the cheapest person, the cheapest person you can get from Twilight is an actor called Kiowa Gordon. Oh, he has to be one of the werewolves. Yes, yes. I looked him up once. He's one of the werewolves. I'm not sure which one. He is... Was he Paul? I think he's Paul. No, he's Embry. He's Embry. Embry, Embry, yes. Dude, did you not just rewatch today when they literally went through... This is actually the thing I really thought was respectful about this film series. At the end, the credits, when they literally listed every actor who ever had a speaking part in this movie. I liked it. They didn't ignore anyone. Um, You know, we'll definitely talk about it, but I I really liked that ending. I thought it was classy, which is not something... It was respectful. That's what we say a lot about this series, but it was very (laughs) classy and respectful. When I saw this movie... Okay, so I was not sober when I saw this movie opening weekend in a small theater in Exeter, Devon, England. I went with my girlfriend, Carrie. I think we got bombed at the restaurant we loved before we went, and then we snuck in mini bottles of wine during it. So long story short, I was trashed by the end. Surprise, surprise. And I just remember that I was able to start a standing ovation for the credits when people came on and that's a big deal in England because those people do not like stand and cheer for things like that. <laughs> they will politely clap, but I was like, Whoa! and they actually joined in and the crowd lost their fucking mind at the very end when the, like the course, like three were introduced, like Taylor Lautner, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. We went craziest for Ro- our pats. Cause obviously he's Brit. 
he's a brat, and then Kristen Stewart. So I was actually going to uh, wait till the end to ask you that question, because I remember, I think it was the first film we covered here for the series, that you had mentioned that, like, how you felt in the original ending and that whole uh, moment there. I didn't know, you know, it was in England. I didn't know you were drunk. Yeah, I was, I was trash. I wasn't drunk. I was not, like, drunk can be classy. I was wasted. <laughs> and I thought it was a joke. I remember having a great time with my girlfriend. Like, Carrie's great. She just got married this year. Congratulations, Carrie. I'm still single. And I just, like, we had a lot of fun. Like, that's the thing about Twilight. It's not, it's just fun. It's just, like, it's entertaining. And, I mean, I remember what I did see MCU, the last one in the theater, and, like, people tried to clap, but no one was drunk. And no one was, like, hooting and hollering. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like... If MCU is your cousin getting married at a really ritzy, like, fancy, like, country club with a dress code, Twilight is, like, your trashy cousin getting married for the third time when she's nine months pregnant. Everyone's drunk at, like, a drive through like, chapel in Reno. Like, what sounds more fun? (laughs) Of course. Of course. I mean, that's that's a great way to put it. I love it. (laughs) I mean, who knows if this is going to happen, but, like, a friend of mine is trying to open up, like, a a theater where you can just run (gasps) movies, and I'm gonna beg him to do a twilight marathon if he does that i will come i i don't give a shit where it is I, i'll be there <laughs> oh you'll be invited for sure like i i want to curate this i didn't tell him yet and i don't know if he's gonna go for it but i will beg him i will beg him to be like let's do a twilight marathon kate you're coming you're coming yeah. to westchester county yeah share with him all the marketing data about 2020 about like look people are still really into twilight at this point it's nostalgia you gotta do it how many hours is the twilight series in total let's say hmm. 10 10 ish that makes sense so let's say I- on average two hours a movie like a couple are like two hours and 10 minutes but i think the first one's an hour and 40 so it makes up for it i did a uh, rocky marathon in the theater once like uh you know rocky one through creed and that was probably more. It was very long. It was one of the most grueling, exhausting days I've ever had in my life. But I, I would definitely do that again for a Twilight Marathon. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I would want to do it to, over two nights because at a certain point I get too drunk and need to go home. <laughs> so tell your buddy that. Like a Friday, Saturday. Like, yeah, you do the first three on Friday. You do the last two on Saturday. Yeah. But I feel like if it was the same night that you could get drunk. I'd pass out. Pass out. And wake up for Breaking Dawn Part 2. and maybe- That is true. <laughs> so one more person that I was really shocked to see mm-hmm. and then confused of why he was here <laughs> and the character is, uh, what's his name? Like the dude from The Wire, Wendell Pierce? Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up because sometimes I read academic papers on Twilight and I was reading one about race lately because uh, when J.K. Rowling just shit the bed and revealed to the world she like kind of has garbage views about human beings, I was like, good thing Stephanie Meyer's keeping her nose clean. And then I was reading about like Twilight academic discourse and somebody pointed out in the movies, black people always play slightly shady people or villains. And I was like, fuck, they're right. Ugh. Explain to me, and I know we're going to bounce around scenes, or maybe we won't even get there. Who knows? But <laughs> explain to me, who is this guy? Okay. What is he? He just gives fake passports? That's and it. That's, like- that's it. He's a client of Jasper's. He's terrified. He understands they're vampires. That's the extent of it. And what he does is he basically creates identities for them as they start to age in and out. Like, so Edward came from money when his parents died because his dad was a banker, I do believe. 
Thank you, Midnight Sun. And so every 50 years, he has to die and then re-inherit his fortune. Because I think Edward's actually the second richest behind Carlisle. So I think Jay Jenks is wow. a part of that. So in the books, by the way, they never explicitly state his race. It's only in the movies where they decide to make Black people a little shady. Look at Tyler, who steals a kiss and like is, gets obsessed with Bella and makes decisions for her. Then we have Laurent, who is a killer vampire. Then we have Jay Jenks. We just named all three Black people in the movie <laughs> who have speaking roles. Yeah, well, and I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but do you remember um, Catherine Hardwick was like, I wanted to make the Collins like super international and multicultural. And Stephanie Myers was like, no, they're all white. She's like, that sucks. I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't mention that when we were talking about the first film. That's sad. Come on. That would have been great. Yeah, but think about you. Like, I don't want to be, no offense to any of the Utah listeners out there, but if you've ever been to Utah, that is a very white state. It might even be the whitest state in the union. I'm pretty sure it is. (laughs) Yeah, that or Wyoming, I think, are the two whitest states. So let's just talk about some scenes and moments and i know we spent a lot of time on the cast and just fucking around honestly but love them <laughs> honestly there's not that many scenes here i think there's a lot to talk about but really this film does not have a lot of uh you know <laughs> things happening for lack of a better word okay we have this intro you know it's the first time i think they have like a big title intro like this and then we're kind of seeing what it's like for bella to have everything right she has all these running fast powers she's special she has so much constraint okay so i have a story about the the beginning so you know that scene where she goes and tries to like kill the the climber on the rock mountain but then she like has superhuman like control and she goes away yes so that mountain is outside of portland oregon i have a girlfriend who climbs and she lives in portland oregon and every time she tells me that she's climbing i'm like oh so are you going to twilight mountain and she never goes to twilight mountain because on because she just doesn't because it's not too close to portland but they have a little plaque there that says like this scene was in like this mountain or like this ledge was in like breaking down part two like it's a small little ledge <laughs> but she made the mistake of telling me about it once so like i said every time she asks she tells me she's going climbing i ask her and because we've known each other for so long and because i'm kind of an asshole it's become a running thing for me where i ask her she gets annoyed and then i ask her again she's like i'm gonna <laughs> tell you she's like i'm gonna tell you when i go to twilight mountain i'm like but are you going to Twilight Mountain? That's 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 a little glimpse into what it's like to be a long-term friend of Kate Hudson. <laughs> Sounds great. It's exhausting. <laughs> um, Bella's like, I guess, testing out her powers, and everyone's seeing like this is everything she wanted, right? So, uh, and then we get the tour literally. Of the- to have sex and become a vampire. She has achieved her goal. Absolutely. You told us from the jump that that was her goal. I love it. It makes me so happy for her. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know something's going to happen, though, because it is a movie and we're here. Uh, <laughs> but before that. <laughs> what if nothing happens? Wouldn't shock me either. <laughs> I mean, this is a, must have been a proud moment for you watching in this in the theater for the first time. Edward gets a bed. I mean, I, I think that is something that I now, as a human being who wasn't completely bombed out of her mind and went to go laugh at the last Twilight movie, like, acknowledges, yeah. And he's like, it's not for sleeping, Bella. <laughs> okay, Ooh. so okay, so something that they underplay in the movies is, like, super obnoxious in the books is about their sex life and how much Emmett teases them for their lack of sex life. That whole weird scene where she, like, 
arm wrestles him. It's basically to get him to stop talking about their sex life. But they have a lack of sex life because I thought they were like, you know, in the movie, they seemed like they were. She's like, oh, we never get tired. We can do this all the time. And he's like, you now have the energy to keep up with me, like those kind of things. So so you're saying that they have a lack of sex life in the book? Yeah, No, but it's the whole joke that they like. Oh, from before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now she has everything she's ever wanted and they're very explicit about it. Like, Well, okay, so in the books, she goes to that cottage and they like bone each other's brains out for 12 hours. And then... Oh, what's his name? Rosalie and Emmett. He's like, oh, if you're back already, it must not have been that good. And she's like, I want to see my baby. He's like, but you're not having sex. She's like, but I want to see my baby. He's like, let's arm wrestle. That's literally how it goes in the book. She's like, cool. If I arm wrestle you, you can never talk about my sex life again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I do want to segue into that because you've been alluding to it, you know, the entire episode so far. I'm with you on this. It is annoying that now Bella does have these powers and she has everything she wants. Just ne- like we already knew she was perfect. Now mm-hmm. she is 10 times better than perfect. She's the fastest. She's the strongest. She she's ar- special. Yes, exactly. She arm wrestles Emmett and, and beats him. And then she we find out she has a secret power as a shield. No, no, no. She has two secret superpowers. One as she has superhuman control. And she's the most powerful shield that ever lived. You're forgetting a third secret power that she has, but we'll get to it later at the end. But yes, she has two secret powers here. No, it's the same. No, no, no. It's the same. No, I she, don't know. She, no, in the book, she removed the shield from her own mind so that she could share her thoughts with Edward finally. But in the movies, it's the power of montage by using a soundtrack for a film that you don't know that you're in. <laughs> and that's the most amazing power I've ever seen. Well played. Well played. We talk about the MCU a little bit. I've never seen anyone in that have that power. The power of montage while using the soundtrack of the film you're in. It's amazing. Whatever. We'll talk about that later, though. I do. And then it goes straight into the credits. Oh, my God. You know what that means, though? That song goes straight into the credits. So that's Bella. Oh, my God. That's Bella showing us she's in a fucking movie, dude. She is the power of breaking that fourth wall. That's insane. (laughs) My mind is blown by that. This is why we do this. But I, I want to talk about the ending at the end of the episode. That's how good episodes work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how long we're... Like, yeah, go, go know, for it, my knows. friend. Let's try our best. Like, one of the first moments here that I was like, oh, my God. I was laughing, but also like, what the fuck? Was they quickly remind you that uh, Jacob last time imprinted on <laughs> Bella... What, what's her name again? Renesme. I know what you're getting at now. Renesme. It's a huge meme. Go on. Jacob comes in and he's trying to explain what's going on. And Bella and Edward to a lesser extent, but they're both like, this is fucked up. And I agree with them. And then he's calling her Nessie. You named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? It's a wolf thing. What's a wolf thing? Um, You know we have no control over it. We can't choose who it happens with, and it doesn't mean what you think, Bella. I promise. Take Renesmee out of the room. Oh. Edward, don't touch me right now. I don't want to hurt you. Oh. You imprinted on my daughter? It wasn't my choice. She's a baby! It's not like that. You think Edward would let me live if it was? I'm still debating. I've held her once. One time, Jacob! 
And already you think that you have some moronic wolfy claim on her? She's mine! <laughs> Amazing, right? Do you remember how much you wanted to be around me three days ago? That's gone now, right? Long gone. Because it was her. From the beginning, it was Nessie who wanted me there. Nessie? You nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> First of all, I thought that was a comedy line, but no one sold it as comedy. I started laughing, like, ha, ha, ha. Everyone on screen was like, oh, my God. You know? And I get it. But, yes, he <laughs> he named her. So he nicknamed her Nessie. And Bella is angry for, again, a lot of reasons. I get her anger. I get everyone's anger. I know he did it for protection. But now he's being a little bit weird about it. Like, oh, let me see the baby because eventually i'm gonna sleep with he doesn't say that but like you know that's the implication like oh she's mine forever so let me see your baby like he's such a creep he's such a this is my favorite part about that scene is she fucking drags his ass by the scruff of his neck and throws him out of her house so cool i loved how she kicked his ass i kind of wish that was the last time we saw jacob honestly right Okay, okay, but you remember how you're like, I might be Team Jacob no, at the beginning I, of this shit. I completely regret saying that at all. I don't know why Stephanie Meyer backed herself into this kind of corner where, oh, this is how I'll solve this problem. He wasn't in love with Bella. He was in love with the baby that Bella would later form. And then, okay, let's say that's the case and let's say he protects her. I would have thought it was more interesting if he had an awkward relationship with that. Like, oh my God, I imprinted on a baby. You know, this is weird. I'll still always protect her. That, to me, I could buy into that. But the fact that he he views himself as, like, her life partner, the baby's Ugh. life partner. Ugh. Come on, Jacob. I, I I would want to beat him up, too. Well, and, like, this is, this is why I love Rosalie. She totally throws him under the bus. She's like, why don't you tell him? I fucking love that. She, Rosalie did not have enough to do in this movie. I agree. My I agree. One, this is my one piece of feedback. Because Emmett's like, he's like the Hulk. And like, he walks out with Bella and Jacob during the fight. He's like, I'm going to regulate this Volturi. Rosalie's time to shine was when she was a forced birther in the last movie. Who didn't give a shit about Bella. And that's why I love her. But I just wish Rosalie had more to do in this movie. That's my one piece of feedback. Because it's unfortunate. Yeah, Emmett. I know you said they're not all Cullens in the book, but like all the Cullen children, if you will, uh-huh. they have a movie where they stand out more than the other movies. This this might be Emmett's movie here. Like he was background for a lot of movies for a while. I know we saw him early on, like stand up to stuff, but like three movies straight, he was just kind of there. And now he's like, oh, I'm like the second or third strongest in this entire family. I'm going to step up. So it is interesting how they kind of rotate that. We had uh, the Rosalie moment with who else had a moment? Oh, the Confederate fucking flashback, too, we had in that same movie. Jasper. Jasper, yeah. This movie, what's what's her name? Ja- Jasper and uh, 
Why am I forgetting her name? The one who I... Alice! I shipped... Alice. She's on Cameo. Come on, get it together. (laughs) Jasper and Alice go away for a while, and I know it's like a plot device or whatever, but we don't get a lot of them, and I feel like Alice is the one that we've gotten most of the family who's not, obviously, our main players, but they kind of had to put her... You know, put her on ice for a little bit, too, so we could, like, rotate people in and out. And I'm totally fine with it when you watch it as a series. But as a movie, you're absolutely right. Some of the family members here kind of go to the background. For an introduction of, as we already said, 90 million friends. Stephanie Meyer just loves it. Here's what I like about Stephanie Myers because I actually really fucking hate this modern trend of killing your characters just because you have to, like increase the stakes or like create tension stephanie meyer doesn't kill anybody that anyone likes ever <laughs> yeah it's it's like the old like dawson's creek problem not that i was a you know big watcher of that show but like it used to get made fun of because anytime something dramatic would happen they would introduce a new character not either kill that character or that would be the character who was gay or that would be the character who did drugs you know well they fucking killed abby out of it's i don't like just killing characters for the sake of killing characters yes yes but uh stephanie meyer is kind of old school in that where like you said nobody we really care about well eventually yes in that final battle people we do care about die but they don't really spend emotional time on it but We'll get there. <laughs> no, no one dies in the final battle. That's what's brilliant about the final battle. It's a total... Okay, so in the books, this is all a thought exercise where the Volturi is like, but what if we do this? And I was like, I saw the future. This is what happens. Like, this whole fight, the whole like last half of the movie, that's an entirely like Hollywood thing. And I remember at the time, they're like, we're going to change the end of the, of the book. And like, that's all they did. They did a psych out. We'll get to the final battle, but there are main characters on the bad team that pass away. I'm not saying we should mourn them, but... Who? Doesn't uh, Dakota Fanning die? No, that's all a fake out. Oh, she was also a fake... Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're jumping the gun. The only, people, the only person who dies in this movie is Maggie Grace. Marina. She's oh the God. only one who dies. No one else dies. Well, I got confused then. I thought there was like, okay, whatever. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, (laughs) Let's get there now. What else is there to talk about? Let's do it, dude. I had questions. I wrote down some big questions. Ask me the questions. (laughs) Okay. So we've already talked about how creepy Jacob is, and he continues to be creepy for the movie. My next question was, what did I miss with Charlie and this this lady? uh, Sue Clearwater? That's Sue Clearwater. Okay. So Harry Clearwater dies in New Moon. Remember yes, that? I remember that, but did they get together in the last movie and I just don't remember? They started to get sweet on each other and there was a mild tension with Billy because Billy Black also was getting sweet on Sue Clearwater, but Charlie won because in this movie, white people always win. <laughs> so bad. But in this, they seem coupled up as soon as we see them. Let's backtrack a little. So I guess the original plan is to... And it's a really fucked up plan, let's be honest. As I say, Bella died. So she never has to see her father and mother again. Well, it's not never has to because she's not going to change. And eventually they will die. And she's never going to age. So it keeps their identity secret, which keeps them safe from the Volturi. I didn't realize when she was making a choice to be with Edward that she was also making a choice to never see her family again, right? Basically, yes. That was her understanding. She just wanted to get laid. And getting laid, she had to marry Edward. It was like, yeah. Bella, Bella doesn't make the best choices. 
No, because she seems to, like, I know her mom, she she likes to, obviously, she went to Florida and visited her, but she seems to have a really good relationship with her dad. She went to Florida she, say goodbye to her mom. But that's fine. Her mom left her anyway. Like, to her do mom's that the to Charlie, fucking worst. <laughs> I'm with, actually, and I can't believe I'm saying that, I'm with Jacob when he goes to tell Charlie that Bella died and he can't do it. And he's like, oh, let me just say this. It ends up working out, so... I'm with Jacob with that. And they're like, Jacob, what'd you do? You made this slightly inconvenient. What else is Charlie going to say? Charlie's kind of a doofus. It puts everybody at risk. So, okay, so in the books, this is like, we can't tell Charlie because the Volturi will come and fucking rip his face off. And then Jacob, being fucking Jacob, is like, no, I know best. I'm going to go take the situation into my own hands. I'm going to show him my own true self. Because, remember, because in the fourth movie, he left his wolf pack. So now he's a wolf pack leader of, two, like, three. So he gets to make his own decisions because Sam is like, you. Ha- Sam, his previous wolf pack leader, was like, no, you keep your identity a secret to people on the outside. He's now his own leader, so he's not bound by that. So he can show him his wolf form so that he can be like, look, there's shit you don't know about. Let me get naked in front of you because that's normal. Yes. Okay, so this is what I was building to. <laughs> So when Jacob is trying to explain that he's a wolf, he feels the best way to do this. And I get it to an extent, but he strips down slowly all his clothes and he's still in high school at this point. That's what you've told me. He's so good. He's like 16. No, dude, he's like 16, 17. Okay. Okay. So he's 16 year old. That's what we're covering. It technically makes it legal. Well, not this, but you know what I mean. (laughs) He starts taking his clothes off in front of Charlie. It's so good. And first, Charlie's like, what are you doing? And then halfway through the clothing, Charlie's just staring at him like, oh, let me see where this goes. Like, what do you you think Charlie – what do you think he was thinking when this was happening? He doesn't know of the the magical world of of, uh, werewolves and vampires and all the other things that happen here, right? He doesn't know that. So what do you think Charlie, who's living in the regular real world that we live in, is thinking when the 16-year-old kid starts saying, I got something to show you? And starts taking off all his clothes. It's the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> hey. You heard anything? Charlie. Bella's... Uh... No, she's not. No, no, no. I mean, she's, she's fine. She's back home and she's feeling better. Why didn't you say so? It's great. Wait. There's something you need to see first. I need to see Bella. Look. In order for Bella to get better, she had to... change. What do you mean, change? Here goes nothing. What the hell are you doing? You don't live in the world you think you do. Jacob, put your clothes on. Now, this may seem strange, really strange, but stranger things happen every day. Trust me. What do you think he's thinking? Like, what's going through his mind? Who the fuck cares? It's amazing. Like, what 
would you be thinking if some 17 year old just started addressing it to you and saying there's more in this world than you realize like it's like i'm like stop stop kid (laughs) i'm not that's not my thing you know like i think you need to express your love to people your age like that's what i would be thinking you know like let's talk about it let's sit down i would think he had a crush on me and i'd be like listen Let's sit down and talk about this. What's going on in your life? I wouldn't just stand there like a doofus. Like, first he's like, come on, man. And then he's like, huh, where's he going with this? I would never get to that level because where would he think he was going with this? You know what I mean? (laughs) As we just move along, we've already talked about a lot of scenes here just by talking about the cast. A lot of scenes, again, percentage-wise of the film. We already talked about going to Alaska to see the cousins from Denali. Um, immortal children do you want to touch any on the anything on that like they think that renesme might be like an evil child but she's not right something like that yeah only in the sense that it completely reaffirms my belief that stephanie meyer saw uh interview with a vampire edited for television on tnt one day like at 2 p.m and she was just like cool i believe that too because they had a whole thing remember that Kirsten Dunst is like the vampire child and eventually they murder her because they're like, we can't have that. High School Slumber Party Hall of Famer Kirsten Dunst. But yes. You're, oh, yeah. did you? I never saw the results. Have the results been published yet? Yes, I put. Well, I didn't put them on social media because I wanted people to listen to the episode. Clearly it didn't work. But uh, yes, sadly, you were the only one to vote for Keith Coogan. Well, that just means everybody else you asked to vote were just stupid. <laughs> I stand by that, people, too. If you didn't vote for Keith Coogan, you're a fucking joke. <laughs> Keith Coogan, I feel like he's circling him. our orbit, and we're going to get him one day. He keeps liking this shit. I'm like, Keith Coogan, just bite the bullet. Ask Charlie Talbot. We love Charlie. Charlie probably tolerates us. You should come on the show, and we'll talk to you about every awesome fucking thing you've ever done. I mean, it would be a Keith Coogan love fest, so he really should. Oh my god. Truly, he is one of my earliest memories when I saw Adventures in Babysitting in 1987. Keith, if you're listening, if you're a regular listener, which I doubt, let us know. (laughs) Deborah Foreman, if you know Keith Coogan, could you please pass him along the message? Hey, I invited Deborah Foreman. She did not respond to that part of the message, but responded to other things, so... She actually listened to the episode, which makes me so self-conscious. We always do that. We always burn people. <laughs> we didn't burn Deborah Foreman, for the record. We were very nice about it, but we learned. We, from- were, we were slobbering all over Deborah Foreman in, those, in that episode. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, so here was the inaugural class voted by the experts. Uh, so Molly Ringwald. They voted for her. This is in no particular order, by the way. Uh, Molly Ringwald, John John Cusack, my rival. He voted, yeah. Matthew Broderick. He killed someone in Ireland. (laughs) Yes, he did. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Didn't vote. Never liked Alex B. Keaton. Go on. Uh, Julia Stiles. Really? Julia Stiles. Barely, but yes, Julia Stiles made it. And things I hate about you. Ugh, okay. Love that movie, but she's fine. When I was growing up, I had a big crush on Julia Stiles. It's one of my favorite high school slumber party stories to tell because... You know what? I'm going to tell Julia Stiles' story again, but I'm going to keep it to 30 okay. seconds. I don't know where you were living in this era, but there was like an era like five years ago where burlesque got really popular again. It was in England. It was like seven years. I remember I went to a burlesque show in Scotland. Okay, yeah. It's say, yeah, seven years ago. That makes sense, right? And burlesque got really popular in New York, and me and my friend were like, we're going to write a movie about burlesque. So we, we definitely Did went- you not- know about the burlesque no but no 
it didn't come out yet. This is pre-burlesque that was, the movie. Homie, that was 2012. Oh, maybe maybe it had come out. Whatever. But not, you know, more about the New York <laughs> burlesque scene or whatever. Okay. We were going to a lot of shows. It was very fun and interesting or whatever. And we decided that there was one. It was September 11th. I remember that because in New York they put the lights up. It was September 11th. And it was an old wooden <laughs> ship that they decided to put a burlesque show on. And we went to this burlesque show that like went to the harbor on this old wooden ship. We got drunk on the ship. And when we got off the ship, it was one of those moments where you're having a night where you're like, oh, let's go home. And then someone says, oh, let's just go to one more bar, right? I'm always that person. <laughs> and on the way uh, back home, we decided to just like, oh, let's just go to this, you know, let's just stop in the village. We'll go to a bar. So we walk into this bar and some girl I knew from college ha- <gasps> happened to be the bartender. And she's like, hey, Magic. she's like, I remember you. And we're like, oh, oh yeah, Carl's whatever. And she's like, and she's giving me free drinks all night. <gasps> oh, she had a crush on you then. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Who knows? But she gave me free Definitely drinks. Definitely did. Definitely night. did. <laughs> like, this is probably the, one of the most drunk I have ever been out like that. And someone says to me, like, oh, my God, that girl looks just like Julia Stiles. One of my friends says it to, like, these girls who he was talking to. These girls starts taking pictures. They get kicked. Uh- rookie mistake they get kicked out of the bar with these girls so essentially it's just me and my other friend left to be with my other friend whatever so essentially like me the bar is closing it's me julia Stiles, some guy she brought the Ugh. bouncer and this bartender and I, I don't remember a lot of it but like like i said i grew up like she was like my teenage crush so like this was like <laughs> it, was, it was such a, did you get drunk and slather your feelings on her i didn't get to that level but it was like enough where we were all like in a group conversation that i was very <gasps> very happy to be there and i was like oh shit it's like 4 a.m like 5 a.m who, who cares what like you know and they're closing the bar so i was like this is awesome this just validates like i can't believe this happened this is great so i leave the bar whatever Magic. I mean, again, there's was, there was not like a punchline to the story. It's not like Julius. I was like, hey, I know you too. We should be friends. Like that didn't happen or anything like that. But we, whatever, we walk out. I meet my friends and one of them has lost his ID at a bar or whatever. It's a whole thing. You know how He's that a goes. Mess. You know how it. that goes. But yeah, we're yeah, walking yeah. back, like looking for, I guess, his ID. We're like, what bar was he at? And Julia Stiles is making out with this guy, like against a wall in the village. Like they're the only oh, ones there. Oh, get it, Julia. Get it, girl. <laughs> And I'm like, good for you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of how the night ended. And I was, well, we went home, you know, there's other stuff. But I, I was happy. I was like, you know what? She was like a teenage crush of mine. I was like, thumbs up. I got to see this person as a real human being. She already brought this date in, grabbed some drinks, and just making out outside. I love it. So, yeah, that's, I, I don't know how, oh, yeah, because we're talking about the Hall of Fame. So I think, because like, I've told that story a bunch, I think a lot of people voted for her because of that. Just because they know my history, my brief history with her. There's she a p- wants to get laid. Good for her. <laughs> There's a picture of me that like I took next to her. I'll try to find it. I can't remember where it was. So who do that we say? Me, yeah. Julia Stiles, Alicia Silverstone, and May have voted for her. And uh, Kirsten Dunst. That was our inaugural class. Did not class. vote for her. Did not vote for her. What about John Hughes? For filmmakers, John Hughes won. I only let one filmmaker in this time. Uh, so John Hughes, I knew that was going to happen, but I voted for him. You can't not, you know what I mean? Like just, just no one has done even as many teen films as him. Okay. So here, who's who you voted for in terms of the 10 people you could uh, select? So actually you did not vote for Kristen Stewart. You voted for Robert Pattinson, (sighs) our 
our path. So you must have had some other eligible. Yeah, let's see who else I voted for. So E.G. Daly, I I can agree with that one. I can get behind that pick. Oh, she's in Better Off Dead, fucking Pee Wee's like Big Top Adventure, and Valley Girl. I think that we had just recorded the Valley Girl episode, and I wanted to give as much love to Valley Girl as possible. Makes sense. Uh, So Robert Pattinson, uh, Keith Coogan, the only vote. No, the best vote because it's Keith Coogan. everybody if they don't acknowledge keith coogan as one as the teen dream 80s sensations like keith coogan is a goddamn legend he'll get in one year depends how long i do this podcast but he'll get in some year i'm sure next year i'm gonna start lobbying for him now <laughs> uh elizabeth shoe did not get oh. in but I, I voted for her as well so oh, what the you. fuck elizabeth shoe who did ryan you need to invite a better caliber of people to vote I love Elizabeth Shue. We all do. Well, we yes, we know. We had a whole episode about it. Joey love wasn't her. a fan, but no, to be clear, Joey, he didn't, you know, he didn't like some elements of Adventures in Babysitting. We all agreed that Elizabeth Shue was amazing. Well, now that you've told me that Joey watches like a lot of movies, like a reviewer level amount of movies, it kind of makes sense because Joey is cataloging this against every movie he's ever seen versus I'm catalog like we catalog this against nostalgia. For sure. I 100% agree with that. That's a great assessment. So, Joey, consider this your official apology. <laughs> I'll never apologize. Never apologize. No. <laughs> Here's someone else I voted for that you did, too. We actually had pretty similar ballots, believe it or not. Uh, and- Andrew McCarthy. He didn't get a lot of love, but what? he did. Have they not fucking seen Mannequin? <laughs> I love Andrew McCarthy. Uh, he, he's too. great. He's great. He's got a new that, book out. Way, I want to read it. For the record, that's who Andy deserved to end up with in Pretty in Pink. Fuck you, Ducky. I'm so glad the discourse around Ducky is like, Ducky's fucking toxic, because he fucking is. <laughs> I don't know. You seem like you're lobbying to be on the Pretty in Pink episode. That's a classic. I don't know if I want you to ruin it. Um, I, fu- I you know how much I love John Hughes. Like I love John Hughes. I thought you were. <laughs> you haven't done Pretty in Pink. I haven't done all the John Hughes ones in a row. I gotta save some. Pretty in Pink. I'm inviting myself because I do that every time I've had a few drinks on your show, and I will fight anybody. I will literally fight them if they say she belongs with Ducky. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, Molly Ringwald, who got the most votes, she was in. Had to. So uh, John Cusack, who you know, even though he's blocked, he blocked us on Twitter. Yeah, he's in. He's in. So that's fine. I 100 percent agree with that as well. Here's someone who you voted for, who was one vote away from getting in, so he'll probably get in next year. Freddie Prince Jr. Nobody else voted for. Oh come on. No, a a lot of people did. He's a goddamn teen classic. With she's all that, and and I know what you did last summer. What is? Ryan, He's getting you, in next year. He missed it by one vote. vote. Like, who did you ask to vote? Because these, ugh. Guest of high school slumber parties. He missed it by one vote. So he'll get in next year. Don't worry. Nicholas Cage, you voted for. Kind of surprised he didn't get in with this network, but it is what it is. And <laughs> when I when I saw this vote, I totally, I was like, okay. Uh, you voted for Jennifer Love Hewitt. So I know you're a big fan of her work. Ghost Whisperer? Fuck Yeah. All I can tell you is that I have the worst memory, but those votes are totally on brand, and I stand behind every single one of them. (laughs) I mean, most of them got in, and and the ones that didn't, I agreed with for the most part. Those of you who did not vote for Keith Coogan, I will see you in hell, and I will fight you every day. (laughs) So everybody. So everybody. Yeah, I just... There's a long list of people I have to deal with once we're all in hell. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, you've made a long list, that's for sure. Even <laughs> just on this podcast. I um, know, right? There's, you know all my enemies, Brian. 
<laughs> so back to the reason we're here. <laughs> Twilight Breaking Dawn Part uh. 2. I mean, the next big thing that happens is just like the all-star team of vampires. and But we've talked about pretty much all of them. Uh. How, how crazy it is. The Romanians and, you know... <laughs> Do you know what? You know, you know what's crazy about this movie, even though it's one of the better Twilight movies, is the soundtrack kind of sucks. Like, there's not like they don't do that thing where they play like three seconds of songs while Edward and Bella talk to each other. Like, most of the songs are played in the credits. Oh, I made a note to talk about the soundtrack. I'm surprised you think it sucks for particular reasons that I've already told you on Twitter. Hey, who told me anything on Twitter? I did. I talked about the oh, soundtrack. Green Day. Were, wait, were you talking shit about Green Day? I thought this was like uh, we both love Green no, Day. No, 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 no. There wasn't a there wasn't a shit talking of Green Day. But we'll talk about the soundtrack. We will. I promise. Uh, we always do that at the end. Remember, remember the order we go in. <laughs> I know. I'm good. I'm Chaos Kate. Like just like freewheeling. <laughs> I mean, is there anything we need to talk about that we haven't talked about already before? This epic fight, because honestly, I don't want to spend time on another training montage. If there's one thing I have to shit on with Twilight, which I shit on a bunch, are all these training montages. We get it. Like, you got to train a little bit before the fight. But every film, it's like, oh, do these tricks, do these tricks. Like, it feels like it's just a waste of time at this point now that we're in the uh, the final film. You know what I'm I mean, saying? No, because... I think I've well established on this podcast in particular, I love a good montage. Like, The Heavenly Kid is like 75% montages. That's probably why I love it. Okay, I totally agree with that. And as we've already talked about, Bella gets the power of montage later. Yep. And that's yep. great. <laughs> but this is not a good kind of montage where it feels like, oh, you know, interspliced cool song with a fight. You know? It's just like... It's a slow, like, this is how we're going to train for this fight that's coming up. Well, so I think, okay, so how many times have you seen Breaking Down Part 2? One, as I've told you. This is the only time. Okay, but I think that's the issue because I love it because I know that all this is just building up to, like, an insanity fake out, lots of beheadings, lots of weird deaths. So I love it because I think of it as, like, the calm before the storm. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about this final fight because (laughs) I, I clearly missed something. I knew that some of it was did. some of it was like a like a vision of the future. I didn't realize from what you're telling me the entire thing was everything after Lost Girl, Maggie Grace getting beheaded and burned is a fucking like this could happen. So as soon as Alice comes on the screen, like the screen and like gives him her gives Aro her hand because remember Aro sees everything by touch. Oh, the one thing we also have to talk about during this is uh, why is Renesmee's hands that of an adult woman when she touches <laughs> Aro's face? <laughs> like, I noticed that every single time. She's supposed to be seven, and, like, her hands are bigger than mine in this movie and perfectly manicured. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Uh, it wasn't as bad as, like, uh, our Pat's painted six-pack or weird contact lens things, but it was up there. If there's a list of, like, oak. Okay, WTF, like, little Twilight moments, it's up there. Yeah, no, so as soon as Aro touches Alice, the next 25 minutes, the best 25 minutes possibly of the entire series, that's all, uh, this is a possible outcome if you don't believe me. That's why she shows it to him, so she's like, if you don't fucking listen to me, you're gonna fucking die, Jane's gonna fucking die, everyone's gonna fucking die, which has the best death scene so my favorite death scene of all time in the series is the emo Volturi who goes 
finally. And then he's ripped <laughs> in half by the Romanians. It's my favorite thing of all time. Some of these Volteri here, like I, I read in the IMDb trivia that Dakota Fanning only has one line in the entire film that's just pain. But I actually liked her character. I thought it was interesting and whatever. Some of these Volteri here, like, what's the dude with, like, the... I've seen him in some other shit, but, like, yeah, like, you know, with the really flat, long hair. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he he's the one trying to convince Arrow to continue the fight. Oh, yeah, he's been in some shit, but he's, like, generic looking, so I don't actually know. I'm sure he's in a CSI episode. <laughs> yeah, that guy was, like, annoying to me. I don't know why. Like, he's, I'm totally team... Uh, Bella, Edward, whatever, like, wolf team, whatever it's called. Team Carlisle, we'll call it. Oh, for sure. It's amazing. Like, so I don't know if you... Okay, so I know you don't know what wolves died in the, like, dream sequence. It was Leah and Seth Clearwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a long fight. Some of it's not amazing. real. And I'm just trying... None of it's real. The, on- the only person who dies in this movie is Maggie Grace. Arena. Because she fucking lied about their kid being a vampire kid and then they want to continue the fight because the little like the one you hate the blonde asshole looking one is like but they could pose a threat and i was like fucking drop it because they'll kill us all and then they so leave. every one of these beheadings and like half beheadings and yeah. the gruesomeness and the gore that's all just a dream not a dream but like no a no it's a possible future yeah if he continues on that path yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> to, okay, so to, to explain this, what it felt like in the theaters, drunk, someone who read the mo- books but and saw that the movie was going to change the ending, when they fucking beheaded Carlisle, that was a huge – the entire audience gasped. We were not I, I agree. for that. I believe that it was happening. Obviously, I realized it wasn't when we see what happens later because we see Carlisle, but – I thought that some of this must have been real. I wasn't sure. Oh, my God. Mind-blowing here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the whole thing was like, that's when she's like, you won't believe a thing I say. Everything she says from that line on is a is a is like a fake out until Bella, Bella and Edward kill Aro and then the Vulturi wives and the what's left descend on them. And then it cuts back to Alice. She's like, and now you know. And then Aro runs scared. But then Aro, in a parting shot, is like, such a gift. Because they establish that Aro likes to curate super exceptional people, little vampires, in his little vampire guard. So he already has a shield, his wife, which they don't talk about at all in the movies. That's all in the books. But Bella is the best fucking shield he's ever seen because Bella can extend her shield. You saw her extending it, like, well beyond, like, her own person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I I do want to, like, go through... uh, I have a list of, like, arrow questions for you. So, okay. But he really likes Alice, right? Like, not. I'm not saying like. Well, that whole this whole thing was like set up. Like this whole fight was set up as a pretense to basically slaughter everybody and get a, a fortune teller in his little cabal. Because like she has a that's a very rare skill for the vampire elite, right? The rarest, like, the rarest. Yeah. He doesn't, so he doesn't and, have anybody. And you told so, me that you told me that in the was it the last movie. Right, like where he oh, ends it. Was it the last one? Know. No, he, it's probably actually New Moon. Where he's, he's like, oh, you know, that's the one I want, essentially. Oh, she yeah. has something I want. Yeah, 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 because he doesn't know about Bella. But the whole point of, like, that weirdo who's like, your wife is a shield, is to be like, oh, shit, your wife has a bigger, the vampire who knows other vampire special abilities, and that's his special ability. 
that is like setting the tone of like Bella's even more special. So Ara wants Edward because Edward can read everyone's mind. So Aro has to have the, the uh, touch to be able to read someone's mind. Edward can just read it. Bella is a shield, and she can, like, project her shield way beyond any other vampire he knows. Then Alice can read the future. So those three. So the whole point is that Carlisle's Cullen is, uh, C- Cullen. Carlisle's Cullen <laughs> <laughs> is way too powerful. And that's why they're coming. Gotcha. Okay. It's all pretense. All, all Arena did was give them a reason to gather everybody to come fuck them up. So... Uh, Nessie's uh, involvement in this. Oh, God. No, no. <laughs> is... Renesme. Call her by her Mormon name. <laughs> Renesme, yes. Renesme's involvement in this is kind of overplayed a little bit. Carlisle's, like, in his in his mind, his dream is, like, three draft picks right here. Like, his best case scenario is, of course, once he finds out Bella is that powerful. But, like, in his mind, if he could walk away with everyone dying except Edward, Bella, and Alice, and they pledge allegiance to him, that's the best-case scenario. For sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Like, like these are skills he needs. And the other Arrow thing I really wanted to mention was, finally, this is the one moment in Twilight, as I've told you, that I really was waiting for, that I knew about, and I didn't know what movie it came in. The Arrow laugh.
magnífico. Half mortal, half immortal, conceived and carried by this newborn while she was still human. Impossible. You think they fooled me, brother? Ring the in. <laughs> yes. So silly, so amazing, Michael Sheen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've given to the world with that. Not just in like gifts, but like just it was so amazing. And I found out he's fascinated by uh the the little girl's heartbeat. That's why he's laughing. Because she is not an immortal child. She's half immortal though. What the okay. Next question. How can you be half immortal? Because your dad's a vampire and he boned a woman. But you're either mortal or immortal. Like there's no middle ground. If you can die, you're mortal, right? So you can't be half immortal. And (laughs) fast forward a little bit. One of the big revelations here is that one of the backwards dressed and totally racist Amazon people is also a half immortal. No, no, no. Not at all. So, okay, do you remember back to last movie when they're talking to the two, like, magical indigenous people who happen to know everything about vampires but also happen to be cleaning their apartment on Magical Island? uh, Yes, okay, okay, so sorry to clarify. Yes, they're not the same Amazon people, but they're from Brazil. They're from Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Stephanie Myers understands that the Amazon is also in Brazil, to be (laughs) perfect. Okay, okay. Good clarification. She also dressed them the same, or whoever did dress them. Yeah, very because similarly. anyone who's not white has to dress in like a costume, dude. And so, the, the, of course, the Irish being not white in Stephanie Meyer's mind, not white enough for her. Tar, 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 tar. It's so <laughs> bad, dude. It's so bad. Um, yeah. So then, that's why Alice and Jasper left. Because remember, Alice sees the future. And so this is what Midnight Sun, the new Twilight book, like added, is that Alice has to like, has sees infinite futures based on infinite actions. So she basically is like unpicking a knot at all time to try to like understand it. So she basically left and told Bella, go get your fake ID in case this all really goes south. But she's also, she pursued the best possible future, which was to go find this other hybrid human vampire, bring him back, because, like, out of the goodness of his own heart, to prove that Volturi is not a threat to, like, their kind, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, you know, one of the big revelations there is that, like, oh, he's 150 years old. And they're like, yes, our daughter's going to live to 150. So Jacob can bone her for 100 and what? Isn't it Uki? 40 something years. So ooky. It's 143 so ooky. years. And Jacob's it's like, so yeah. gross. But even though, but Jacob, like the werewolves don't live forever, right? So I guess he's not going to. No, okay, no, they do. Okay, so. They this, do. I well, don't know they, that. Well, wait, they do if they're in proximity to a vampire. Oh my God. What? <laughs> yeah, so in theory, they will live forever 
as long as Jacob stays with Renezme, Bella and Edward, Jacob will live forever. Renezme will live basically forever. And then, yeah. That's why the whole little book ends. Like the book, the movie ends on the flash forward of Alice seeing it, Edward being happy. And then this is what I liked about the credits too. They actually, for the, the, the course, like three, they actually like zoomed in on the parts of the book where they're introduced. And then the movie yes. ends with forever because I think that's how the book ends too. The movie, the book, this podcast forever. I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad it's ending. I'm really up. Like, I know we're going to do this again with uh, Joe too, but it's like, I always get sad when I end like watching. I like, it's sad. I'm, I'm not so much a sad. I'm just ready to go for this next round because I think I'm going to notice some different things. I think I'm going to have a different time. Like, I'm excited for it. Now you get to be a tour guide. Now you're not the person going on the tour. Like, now you're like, oh, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you notice this? Like, it's At the more- very least, I'm going to be like, oh, check this out. This this part gets so crazy, you know? Yeah. Well, and, like, you'll, like, read more into it. Because I remember Maggie Grace said, like, wearing uh, the contacts was, like, Chinese water torture or something really offensive. It's amazing. Oh, God. Yeah, it's all amazing. I just, I just love it. I love Twilight. I'm so grateful for Twilight because I think this is going to be the last episode of the year, right? Well, it, it, well, we might get our Q and A in before the end of the year if you have time. But uh, I, this is the last. I have nothing movie. but time. I have nothing but time. <laughs> Everyone talk to me about Twilight. I'll answer all of it. I'll bust out my encyclopedia, which is now worth a hundred bucks on Amazon. It's, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful for Twilight this year. It, it's like, this has been a really hard fucking year. And Ab- Twilight absolutely. got me through it. Twilight really helped me. I think, I wish I knew I could, because I bought them all on streaming. I wish I knew how many times I watched them. I wish Amazon would tell me. Because I think I've honestly Twilight the movie 10 times since March. The original one. Yeah, and I've Number probably one. seen, I've probably done the cycle three or four times. Wow. <laughs> The way we end here is kind of poetic. It's, it's nice, very romantic, because it goes back to the whole, again, not that their story when you break it down is romantic, but whatever. Uh, it, it goes back to the whole them kind of laying in the flowers. I don't know who's taking care of their child, but, oh, Jacob, what am I thinking? Rosalie, or Rosalie. Do you think Rosalie's going to let Jacob around that kid without her? Come on. <laughs> this is why I love Rosalie. She's a fucking bitch. So how old is the kid when they're laying in the flowers? Well, if the kid is like 18, I honestly don't know because that kid's seven at like six months old, but then they stop growing. I think it, like the aging has to slow down because, well, let's be, okay, let's work this out. If like, let's say that like dude was like 25. No, but if Jacob's 18, that kid has to be, that has to be 18. So let's say that in the first six months you age eight years and your first year, maybe you age 10 and then every year subsequent you actually age normally. Well, the one kid said that he didn't stop growing after he was seven years old. Yeah, so if your first year you aged 10 years, let's say that kid was 18, then every subsequent year after you age a full human year, that would make the most sense because that math doesn't add up. No, it does not. I'm going to ask a little bit of a quick Jacob question. Jacob, I know he's imprinted on her. He doesn't feel a little weird by being like, oh... I want to have sex with this baby one day. It's and he's like, it's not like that. It's fucking like that. You but know? it is. Eventually, so it gross. is right. Yeah. 
I, I have, I cannot defend his stance. Maybe again, maybe he can't help it because of the imprinting, and that's the magic in this world. But don't brag about it, dude. There's nothing that's not gross about this particular situation. How disgusting is it to grow up knowing that, like, this teenager person? This is the one person you're going to be with one day. And they've watched you grow up and grow up in this one year. But it's not like that. But That's it is. No, I'm not defending it. It's growing. It squicks me out. I just, I don't, I don't know how to justify this. Like, I don't know how to defend it. Like, it's, not, it's indefensible. By trying to, like, avoid conflict, Stephanie Meyer created so many more fucked up questions. You know, and th- look, let's be honest. This is why she did this. Like, she didn't want, like, Bella to oh, just... Oh, she, re- she wrote herself to a corner, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, in a probably normal situation, <laughs> which, again, I know Twilight is not, but, like, Bella rejects Jacob, and he just goes along his way, probably like an angsty teenager, probably treating some girlfriends of his not as nice as he should, and, and until he gets mature enough and realizes and has a normal life and doesn't even remember Bella that much, right? Like, that's like a normal person's life. Normal, like, angsty asshole teenager's life. But that's not what happens here. It's conveniently, like, linked, like, oh, he actually wasn't an asshole the whole time. He actually was in love with the egg inside Bella's ovary. Like, that's better? I don't know. It's gross. And, like, why wasn't he nicer to Edward? I think we talked about this last time. Why wasn't he nicer to Edward? Because Edward was half that. Who fucking knows? Stephanie, okay, so this is truly, I think Stephanie Meyer wrote Twilight and didn't realize that she'd have to write three subsequent books. Truly. This is the whole, like, George Lucas thing. Like, George Lucas has claimed that he wrote, like, every Star Wars ever oh, originally and, ju- and just made the for- first one. But we all know that he wrote that one and then it played it by ear after that. That's what everybody does who's trying to get a movie made or a book done, right? They might have ideas of how it's going to go, but rarely is everyone like, look, the, the what's his name? The dude who does game of thrones right he's claimed that he knows everything that happens ever no those no 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 no, no. the writer of the book is a fucking george r R. mcdonald yeah i love that george r R. martin yeah 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 yeah. mcdonald yeah martin yeah 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 if he knew everything that was going to happen on every single page that book would have been written already okay like that's the biggest bullshit that authors and filmmakers and whoever write like come on you, you make the first one okay, or perfect, or whatever you want it to be, and then you see what's going to happen. And Stephanie Meyer definitely did that here. I don't care what she says. I don't know what she says, but if she claims she knew the ending when she wrote that, then I don't bullshit. think she does. By the way. Which is great. Her, which her is great. Old, old blogs of when she like back in like 2002 are still up. And I encourage anybody who's even like remotely interested in that to go read them because they're fucking insane. She's like, I remember I, I like saw Alice and Bella's prom dresses on the runway in 2002. And here are the pictures. And like she talks all about her own dating and like college. It's amazing. You guys should read them. They're fucking beautiful. <laughs> What's her net worth, if you had to guess? Billions. Let's see. Seventy-nine net worth. I'd say two billion. Oh, I say only, but this is only a hundred and twenty-five million. Real? Oh, I don't. Oh, with her IP, that Twilight is a billion, a ten billion dollar IP. I doubt that. Maybe she signed a bad deal. Who? I mean, look, it's still, it's still a lot of money. It's still a decent amount of money. More than you and I have. Yes, a little, just a little bit though. Teensy bit. But yeah, the total gross on the Twilight films. 
It must be at least two billion on the total gross. Yeah, but the books sold like wildfire, and I like the movies did great. The merchandising did better. They need to. Okay, so here's a good example because I'm staring at something in in my apartment right now. Like Friends is probably making more money now than they ever have on merchandising. So whoever no. runs. Oh, no. In 1994, the, I was begging my mom to spend $30 and send a check to end the NBC store. No. We oh, had no. Back then, too. Yes. No. And that existed for sure. But now there's I've read something recently. There's more Friends merchandise now than the entire run of the show because they've just licensed that shit. And that's great. Good for them. I'm not, like, criticizing that. I get it at the time, but people weren't as... You know, like again, you had to you had to beg your mom to send a check. It wasn't just like you Google searched everything you get on I'm Friends. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I, I mean? I think I think honestly, think Twilight's about to get to that point because think about if you were like fifteen in two thousand eight, you are now twenty seven, twenty eight now. That's what I'm saying. Everything you're gonna you're have see- so much more disposable income now. Everything you're seeing on eBay and stuff like that—that's secondhand. There is going to be a Twilight revival where they're gonna re, uh, you know, license shit and merchandise shit, and you're gonna go again, go to Target and go to the game section and see three different Twilight games, and it's going to be get to a point where you're gonna say, "Wow, I was on this shit before everyone else." But they're gonna be kids because right now there's like. 14-year-olds who love Friends, who know every Friends episode and buy the shit. And that kind of doesn't make sense. There's going to be a next generation of Twilight fans, and that's going to make Stephanie Meyer even more money. So I'm not worried about her is my point, I guess. (laughs) Well, I just hope that they discover this podcast and love it the way we do after they get over the Edward Bella, like, (laughs) oh, it's perfect. Like, you start to, like, see it as, like, your flawed baby, you know? And you love it. And that's when we'll know that it's gone to that second stratosphere when there are T-shirts that are questioning the stuff that it's happening. You know what I mean? Like, that, it, that yeah. or, or, or when it's just like a well-known fact that Jacob's a creeper. And people are like, those 15-year-olds are like, who the hell was ever Team Jacob? You know? Because they know everything already. You want to know what's crazy is I just did a Twilight quiz on BuzzFeed about who's hotter. And people find Jacob hotter on BuzzFeed than I- than Edward. Wow. I mean, maybe our paths is like, as Batman will change things, who knows? I mean, I think we're stepping into territory that I kind of want to... Well, I want to get into this more when we do our Q&A slash recap, so... Wait, do you actually get questions about Twilight? I've gotten some, but I'm going to put in like, I'll put a little uh, thing out there asking people for questions. And on Instagram, too. You are, like, I don't do Instagram. Like, I do Twitter. I went to your Instagram. It's bananas engagement, dude. Yeah, Instagram, that's where people are engaging most, but it's, like, harder to tag. I don't even like social media in general. I just do it. Me neither. For the podcast or whatever. And yeah, I don't tag I don't tag you on Instagram just to respect, respect your Instagram privacy that you never sign on anyway. Plus, I don't think people would know what, like, Taco Tuesday, whatever the hell your name is on Instagram is. <laughs> Taco Tuesday I... every day. I don't think I've posted on Instagram since I went to the Lord of the Rings bar, like, a year and a half ago, to be honest. Let's see. Uh, oh, by the way, at some point in this podcast, and I don't remember, I asked Joey, <laughs> Joey Lewandowski, if he liked um, Maggie Grace. Let's see what he says. I have a soft spot for anyone who is on Lost, but I don't really care about her. Joe, too, lusts after her, though. 
Good to know. Because she's been in some trash. (laughs) I'm sure she's been in like a lifetime movie about like putting her baby up for adoption. That's why. (laughs) Probably. Regardless. Yeah, we're going to get some questions out there. I'm going to have you, of course, answer them. I've had a couple people ask me things. Oh, can you ask Kate this? Can you ask Kate that? That's and that amazing. got me the idea. To, yeah, no, but it got me the idea to just, to like, you know, let's just have a whole episode. If we get 10 questions, I'm happy with that because I know it's not going to just be like a one or two word answer. You know what I mean? We're going to no, go off on tangents. Can I just say, you guys don't have to ask Brian to ask me. Like, I put my Twitter every fucking episode. Just come ask me. I will give you, like, an essay. I've actually had to re-edit my comments back when I wrote for Pajiva because I wrote these people, like, 3,000-word essays on Twilight. I'm like, that's psycho. I have to, like, cut it all down to 500 words. I mean, a couple people have tagged you here and there from the podcast. I've seen it happen, so. And every time I engage like with relish it's my favorite thing to talk about like twilight is like i i'm not gonna say i'm sane right now but it's kept me as sane as you can in lockdown gotcha i mean and you know what i love it for that and that's great and i'm so happy we could finish this way and we get again we finish with this they're in the flower in the fields and it shows that book chapter and i never read the book and we find out they pretty much live in the flowers, just chilling, not having any more vampire battles for the rest of their lives. You know, that's the meadow from the first episode. Yes, yes. Like uh, for- okay. And when I say the rest of their lives, it's forever, as they are clear. So they just basically live in peace forever. In high school films, we've talked about this before, but it is always creepy to think that, oh, the girl got with the guy, and really? They're going to be together forever, these two 17-year-olds? I don't even think that's a good idea. But this is the one like little franchise arc that... Forever is literally forever, and I hope they're happy, because if not, it's pretty well, hard to get out of. But that's why she makes such a big deal that they mate for life, and that's why they call them mates, which is super, like, creepy in retrospect, because humans don't mate. Animals mate. If someone on a date said to you, like, oh, and they were referring to that kind of stuff as, like, oh, maybe, you know, one day you could be my mate. <laughs> could you imagine that? Like, I'd be like, um... <laughs> It's sort of the most disgusting things someone can say. I'd probably be into it, but that's because I really like Splash as a child, and I kind of feel like, (laughs) okay, cool. If someone talks to me like that, I could become a mermaid. (laughs) Mermaid's another movie you drunkenly signed up for. (gasps) Can we do... Oh, Mermaid's is high school. It takes place in high school with her slutty Freddy gets blowjobs. Yeah. You you signed up for it. Another popular one, but again, you get precedence for for delivering Charlie Talbert, so we'll figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) I got Angus, y'all. Anything else in uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 you want to talk about before we get to our awards? It seemed kind of pointless, but we have to do it. Oh, oh, the soundtrack. You said it it wasn't your favorite, but one of your favorite bands that you've talked about a lot on this podcast, Green Day, is on it. So do you not like this Green Day song that they contribute to the soundtrack? But it's not in the movie. It's it's on the credits. Yes, and yeah. Like, I think the point is is that Twilight is a very, like, soundtrack-heavy, robust franchise. And, like, in this last movie, it's just not there. Well, the main song that everybody knows was on the last soundtrack, but now it's a duet. I don't remember the name, but that's the one they Thousand Years by Christina Perry. Yes, yes, and they run in the credits, but now there's a guy guy singing it on (sighs) it as well. I just just hate hate it when they bring the guy in to make things more legit. Like, come on. (laughs) Now it's for real. No. Yeah, now it now a man feels it, so it's it must be. Come on, <laughs> I, but it's not like it's not like you know, supermassive black hole playing while they're 
you know, over playing while they're doing baseball. Like there's no <laughs> significant like soundtrack moment in this movie. Yeah, there's no yeah, there's that that's true. There's no the big soundtrack moment is honestly, and we talked about it, for me, Bella getting powers of montage and having a montage to show Edward. And then as we've just yeah. discovered together, She's in control of the film franchise because she brings on the credits with the same song. So that, Which makes it to me that's so a big meta. Moment. It's huge. You actually <laughs> blew my mind when you pointed that out. I'm like, shit, this is a meta. Like, are we in Twilight now? Do we exist, Brian? Or are we still in Bellaverse? <laughs> well, that the second time I've uh, blown your mind on Twilight accidentally, the first time was when I made you realize that all of them are consecutive phases of the moon, all the titles. <laughs> Which I can't believe you didn't realize. I didn't. I knew nothing about this franchise and knew that. I am not an observant person. <laughs> you like how I fought you on it? It's like, no, it's not. And then I took a second. I'm like, oh, shit, he's right. <laughs> well, Dawn has broken on our first run here of Twilight Films. And <sighs> again, we'll put a little bow on it when we do our cool Q&A episode. I might invite Joe to... Uh, towards the end uh, end of it to have a little segment of what he's looking forward to when we do it. I'm excited for that one. But before any of that, we have to do it. Some apply here, some don't. But we give awards out at, at the end of every episode of High School Slumber Party. And this one, you kind of mentioned the Wooderson Award, a character who you would have liked to see more of here. And you mentioned Rosalie. it before. Rosalie, Rosalie, right? I just love a cunty bitch. And I say, like, I know people hate the word cunty, but I lived in England. It's like calling someone a jerk. That's the word to describe her. She embraces like her toxic, nasty personality to a point where it's just beautiful. So I always want to see more of Rosalie. Sounds like drunk Kate Hudson. I know. I'm sorry. If someone's offended, I apologize. (laughs) I lived in England, all right? (laughs) So Rosalie and drunk Kate Hudson are are pretty similar folk, I suppose. She is who I want to be if I don't want to feel bad about myself in the morning. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> okay, Long Duck Dong Award. Is there anyone you would delete from this? There's a lot of characters, so maybe... Oh. No, everyone's good. Would, would you delete anybody? They none of, Like, half of them don't serve Honestly, a purpose, which makes them amazing. Hot take here, but I think some people might agree. I would delete Jacob. I, I would have killed him in that scene when Bella's fighting him. <laughs> no, but then you but then you miss the whole, you name my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? And yeah, and then, she, and then she kills him. He still would have been in it. Like, this is like, to me, it's like, delete him completely. If you want to murder someone, murder Jacob always. <laughs> Fair. Okay, okay, fine. We played it a couple of rounds, but we haven't played it in a while. Maybe we'll play the old fuck, Mary kill on the Q&A question. Maybe someone okay, will ask it. Know. Every, please ask me all your Twilight questions. There's nothing you can offend me. And there's like, he may edit it. Brian may edit out for like vulgarity, but I just said cunty. So I think all like everything's like available. All is fair. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we, we're not going to do Cameron Fry Award because we're not even in high school. This is the most like bullshit high school movie we've ever talked about technically. But we did a whole series, but we've lost all our high school friends. Not lost them, but you know what I mean. Oh, but they show up at the credits. So it's still a high school movie. Okay. Fair, fair. It's true. And again, Jacob's a teenager, so it's all good. But we'll skip that one today. Now, interesting. Rotten Tomatoes, 40% by the critics, which I feel like is on par for the franchise. Because men men hate good movies. You've lost your Rotten Tomatoes accreditation, so you you can't help this movie out until <laughs> further notice, we'll say. Until the Beatrix finally gets its ass together, yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, but 70% audience score. That's pretty good, 70%. But Kate Hudson, 
You have the red pen. I'm handing you the blank report card. As you know, you can grade from A plus to F for Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. What grade are you grading this film? I am going to ignore your question, and I'm just going to spill an entire container of glitter on it. (laughs) That's Twilight, baby. That's Twilight, baby. (laughs) I'll give it the glitter grade as well. Where does this rank in the franchise for you? Okay, so this is, I'm glad you asked this question, because when I initially started this whole journey with you, I ranked them 31524. I have to I have to revise that because I rewatched wow. that. I rank them now one three five two four. One three five two four. So yeah. okay, cool. And I think we're gonna get into that a little bit more again on, on the next time we talk. I was just curious where you put this one. Um so great. Okay. I don't want you guys to think that it's the middle of the road. I want you to understand one is like ten out of ten perfect movie. Three is a 9.6 out of 10 perfect movie. Five is a 9.5 out of 10 perfect movie. And then let's say two is, let's say it's seven out of 10 for, even though it has the amazing scene of a teenager falling in love with a baby, it's realistically a seven out of 10 movie. Great. I mean, this is something I, I do want to go into a little bit more next time. I'm very curious. The guys on Too Fast do this as well, and to see if like people's rankings changed on the next lap, and it almost always changes every lap they do. So I'm curious if that's gonna go for it. Uh, if that's gonna be the case as well. So if these are your picks in stone, great. We'll talk about it a little bit more next time. If you want to think it over again, for sure. But we're gonna write your order down and see if by the next lap that changes or not i want to know your ranking i'm gonna save that for our, our uh, summary thing because i really want to think about it i'm gonna write it down and i want to really think about all the films i might do another rewatch before we talk again quickly or at least a skimming kind of rewatch. What a treat for you what a treat <laughs> yeah because i i honestly asked you too because i kind of want to gauge my own uh reasoning for what i'm gonna say maybe it'll match maybe it won't but i really really need to take some time to think about it okay so sleeping bag what does your Breaking Dawn Part 2 sleeping bag look like here at the slumber party? Great question. I tried to think about this question finally when I'm watching the movie, and it didn't come up. So because this movie is so weird, I wanted it to be a massive potato in honor of the Irish contingent. Oh but I God. also but I want it to be a split open potato with water in it for Remy Malik's. And then I also want it to be encrusted in ice for the Denali contingent. And, and then fuck it, put an American flag at the top for Lee Pace, because that's what this movie is. It's a jambalaya of crazy. I love how, like, the most American guy in the film is not even an American actor. Perfect. <laughs> Wait, isn't Lee Pace American? No? I thought he wasn't. I thought, let me see, Lee Pace. Look him up, because I fucking love that pie maker. Movie. Oh, he is. He is. He is American. Sorry. What's that show where he played the guy who could touch dead people and bring them uh, dead to me or something? Pushing Daisies. Pushing Daisies. Oh, I loved that show. Uh, There is a, believe it or not, because I've talked to some people and some some friends who like Twilight. There's a big crossover between Pushing Daisies fans and Twilight fans. Of course. It's all supernatural, like gentle shit. I I didn't realize he was American. I thought he wasn't because he plays plays a lot of British characters as well. (laughs) Because they can never get the accents right in Twilight, and especially on Peter Facinelli, you never know what he means to say. Uh, you reminded me of something. The dude who's 
the dude who's Carlisle's friend who just stays in the attic yeah. who we never see again. What accent does he have? Because he, he is like... Who knows? He has three lines and ten different accents in those three lines. I know. It's horrible. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. So apologies to Lee Pace. He is as American as... Well, he's from o- Oklahoma, so... Apparently he was dating Hottie McHodderson, Richard Armitage, after the uh, Hobbit movies. So who knows? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I, I'm not sure he's out, but I... Well, no, oh, I no, Lee, he is. He Lee is. Pace is out, but I'm not sure if Richard Armitage was out at the time. Oh, but, they, okay. but like one of their dads was like posting pictures of them at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, wow. I mean, he's someone like underratedly has been in the MCU. He's been in Lord of the Rings and he's been in Twilight. Like that, that's three big franchises. And he was in Pushing Daisies, which is a very charming show. And if you guys, you shouldn't put any stock into uh, my recommendations. But if one of you did, you should watch Pushing Daisies. I, I can't disagree. Okay, so this is my favorite question every week. But remember, you are banned from picking con hair unless it's a Nicolas Cage movie where it's related. But we're at the magical, magical, or another Twilight film, for the record. Oh, well, that sucks. Okay, go on. I'm, tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to push the envelope a little bit with, with your picks. You, you have some great picks sometimes, so so let's do it. So <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> no, most of the time, most of the time. If we're at this magical blockbuster uh it could be an Alaskan blockbuster if it's, that's going to make you nostalgic. But but it has every movie in the existence in human history. And we okay. know we're having a slumber party together. Oh, did I announce my sleeping bag? Oh, I think I skipped that. No, you didn't. You could, but you always do because you're always like, I don't know. No, I've been picking lately. And mine is just going to okay. be a hyper, hyper close picture of Arrow laughing in that scene. I just want that face <laughs> on my sleeping bag. Just... Okay, so okay, okay, so like almost like his like when you enter into the sleeping bag, that's his mouth, and you're going into his mouth. <laughs> that's great. I'll take that. Yeah, I just want like like real close up of that. But uh, yes, so we're in this magical blockbuster with every every film imaginable. We know okay. that you and I are are having this Breaking Dawn part two slumber party it's weird because that's the only twilight movie we're watching on this slumber party but but we've watched twilight so much at our slumber parties that we want to make this different we get to that front counter and at that front counter it says rent two movies get one free and i say kate go to the back i'll stay up here rent two other movies that we're going to watch today they can't be con air and they can't be twilight films what other two movies are we watching you're killing me okay so I think I'm going to blow your mind. I think I'm going to go for weird first. So, oh, shit. I think I might just, like, blow your mind and pick North Shore, the 1987 surfer classic. Because that's Ooh, I've never set- seen that. Not, it's, it, I'm not sure it is a high school movie. That's fine. But ha- I watch other movies. After I saw that movie, I referred to my mother exclusively as bruh. Sabra. Oh my god. For the past 15 years. That's how we like email each other. Sabra, bra, bra. So it's about a guy in Arizona with surfboarding who moves to Hawaii to become a professional surfboarder and shenanigans ensue. And then we're going to go straight into Twilight, <laughs> break it down part two. And then guess what? Now that you're primed for it, you're going to fucking watch John Wick. That makes total sense. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I hate it when you also, make me not pick my favorite like movies. <laughs> But John Wick is good because it's a stealth apology to Joey Lewandowski as one of the uh, hosts of Keanu Club. So even though you don't want to make that uh, actual apology, John Wick is a good uh, 
a good way to get closer Joey, to the Joey, you are the reason I'm here today, but I can never apologize to a man who did not love adventures and babysitting with all of <laughs> So you know, I I have a lot of I, I have a lot of like positive feelings towards you, but I can never say those words to you. All right. I mean, look, you made your point clear. Hopefully he understands it. <laughs> I mean, and, I, we're just going to have to have something I call dude respect. Like, you know, in LA Confidential at the end when Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce work together, even though they like don't totally love each other because they have respect, begrudging respect for each other. That's what we're going for here. Love it. Love it. So, I mean, this was, this was really fun. It's going to be hard to edit for a lot of various reasons, but... <laughs> We'll get a nice, concise episode. I don't even know how long it's eventually going to be. I hope it's not as chaotic as Valley Girl Part 2, which is really like you should drop acid to listen to that one. (laughs) I'll, uh, I mean, maybe this will be a two-parter too, depending on how short I can get it. I'm not sure. But Kate, we're going to try to have you on once before the year ends at some point so we can do our Q&A and usher in the next, the next chapter. But regardless this is a blast of course i'm so happy to have finished this twilight uh franchise excited to you know wrap it up and then start over all again but before we get out of here you mentioned your new site you've mentioned a couple things uh can you can you plug where people can follow you find you uh not on instagram because you never said... on Instagram. <laughs> if you want to see one outdated picture of me sitting on the Game of Thrones thrones from like April 2019, you can go to Taco Tuesday every day. She will not follow you back because I'm never there. Uh, you can go on Twitter at Hudson Kate. Um, eventually, you can go to my site. Uh, I think it's called Go Beatrixly or something. Just go to Twitter. You can find it uh, once I'm not burnt out by 2020. But I really feel I need to have my last word here on the series be I am fucking Team Edward forever. Forever. Wow. Not Team Bella. Not Team. Because I'm thinking of being Team Carlisle. But if you got to be Edward or Jacob, come on. <laughs> you can't be Team Jacob at this point. He fell in love with a baby. <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> oh, man. Kate, you know, till next time. I, 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 again, I can't wait. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much again. Thanks for introducing me to the series. And, uh, of course, can I just make one request? Yes, boys to men, end of the road, play us out because it truly (laughs) is the end of the road for this series. And I hope we're back next year, but (sighs) play us out, boys to men. (laughs) Sure, we will fulfill your goal right now. A little bit of boys (laughs) to men, not on any of the Twilight soundtracks, but whatever. But it, it was on my eighth grade graduation day, so. <laughs> Not high school either, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, fair. Fuck it. Play boys to men, Brian.
God, it's so hard to say goodbye. Just want to thank Kate Hudson one more time for taking us along this ride called Twilight. Of course, we're going to have our Twilight Q&A episode. More on that in the coming weeks. But yeah, just once again, she's amazing. She's great. Cousin Pumpkin, you heard the episode. Sounds like my kind of girl. (laughs) Yeah, she's great. We love Twilight here. We love Kate Hudson. Can't wait to have her on again. But I'm sorry, you got some homework. You got some homework for Friday. And it's Shazam! That's right. We're talking Shazam with the other most frequent guest on High School Slumber Party this year, Mike Manzi. You've run from foster homes in six counties. I can take care of myself. When you're 18, give these people a chance because that's what they're giving you. This is Billy Batson. Make sure you make him feel at home. They seem nice, but don't buy it. It gets real Game of Thrones around here. Dude, just messing around. You look at me and you're like, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You've got it all. If you could have one superpower, what would you pick? Everybody chooses flight. You know why? So they can fly away from this conversation. No, because heroes fly. Well, you need your fake family to stand up for you? Hey. Man, sorry about that. Go, go, go! Grab it! Get out the way! Billy Batson. I choose you as champion. Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam. Wait, for real? Say okay! Shazam? What is happening? You're the only person I know that knows anything about this Kate Crusader stuff. Can I? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. AM to the BM, BM to the AM. You have super strength. BM, you just got Can you fly? If I quit your BM, I still rock with Satan. If I quit this season, Whoa. I still be the greatest. You okay? Why are you talking? Oh. Sit down. You know, I don't think that's gonna buff out. Your phone charged. Your phone charged. The hell? You're like a bad guy, right? Gentlemen! You have bullet immunity! I'm bulletproof. <laughs> You're dead. Sorry about your window, but you're welcome for not getting robbed. Oh, hey, what's up? I'm a superhero. That, of course, is Shazam. It's a superhero movie. We've done Marvel before, but now we're doing a little DC. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for Mike Manzi to be here. Hope you enjoyed our episode today on Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. But, uh, seems like it's getting time for bed. Cousin Pumpkin and I are going to get in our sleeping bags and hit the hay. I suggest you do so as well. So remember, 
Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Your homework is to watch Shazam, and I'm going to leave you with that song that Kate Hudson... Well, I don't know if she liked or disliked, but she said it wasn't in the movie. It's on the soundtrack. She said she wasn't the biggest fan of this soundtrack. Regardless, it's The Forgotten by probably her favorite band of all time, Green Day. Later, dudes. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.